Ladies and gentlemen, the winner by a score of 10 points to 8 and the Olympic champion in the red corner representing Ireland, Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor collapses to the canvas. I remember travelling in London 2012, I remember travelling on the bus to the boxing arena where Katie Taylor was going for her gold medal. We travelled on the top of the bus, the coaches were there and all the team travelled with Katie to the match for her fight. I certainly remember that sense of camaraderie, getting her to the place where she needed to be in the zone to win that gold medal. Susie Clark is a consultant in sports and exercise medicine in VHI's 360 Health Centre in Carrick Mines, County Dublin. But before joining VHI, Susie had a very successful career as a team doctor for several of Ireland's national sports teams, including the Olympic and athletic teams, the swim team and the women's international football team. And during that time, Susie learned a lot of valuable lessons about the power of collaboration. When you see high performing teams and you've been sort of in that culture and then you can transport that then to your work culture as well. You really can't do anything by yourself in this day and age. It really is all about the multidisciplinary team and working together for sure. Eamon O'Sullivan is head of IT availability, but before joining VHI, he spent several years in the Irish Army. And like Susie, some of the things he learned in that time have served him well in his current role. This whole understanding of risk and decision making, sometimes you've got to make a decision. There's an army paradigm out there that sometimes it's not making the incorrect decision, it's not making a decision is more dangerous. That kind of talks very much to the courage value we talk about here, you know, having the courage to make a decision. This is Real Talk, Voice of Colleagues, a podcast series brought to you by VHI and hosted by me, Patrick Hawhey. In this episode, Susie Clark and Eamon O'Sullivan talk about the careers they had before joining VHI, and they explain how the previous positions they held are enabling them to do their best work in their current roles in VHI. We'll also meet Mark Stapleton, who currently works on VHI's dedicated concierge line. But before that, he worked as a fitness instructor crossovers of skills I think both are involved in health maybe I'm not actually doing the health practices with them but I'm advising them on how to get the most benefit out of their policy which uh, affects their health you want to make a difference whether it be small whether it be your family or just one person if you can make a small difference and if everyone does that then sure the world would be such a nice place we will hear more from Mark and Eamon later in the episode but we'll begin in VHI's 360 Health Centre in Carrick Mines County Dublin where Susie Clark is the clinical lead for musculoskeletal medicine. Susie begins by describing what 360 does and how the team is so well set up to care for patients who are experiencing sports and exercise related conditions. We really take the 360 approach, um, so real, really a sort of holistic uh, approach to uh, healthcare. So uh, from the minute they come in, from our administration staff to the nursing staff, um, all the clinicians, doctors, advanced nurse practitioners that we have on board here um, are really well able to look after these type of patients. Um, then we obviously have uh, the capabilities to do any type of imaging really here, as I said, the ultrasound, um, MRI, x-rays. We also have a DEXA machine on site as well, which is really, again, important in that uh, preventative um, area for bone health, which we know is so important. 
important um, from uh, a longevity perspective. Um, and I think that's a really, really wonderful thing about working here is that we can really keep a lot of our patients. Previously, we'd have had to send our patients out to external uh, places to get these maybe investigations done to start on the rehabilitation process. But now, uh, again, given the facility that we have, that we, we can do a lot of that here. It must be it must be very rewarding being able to see all of this, these facilities and pieces of equipment that help you do your job as a medical professional and to achieve those aims. And I would imagine um, you're not always as lucky as a medical professional to be in uh, in a facility like this. Absolutely. I worked in the HSE. I worked in a public hospital for over 11 years um, in emergency department. Extremely busy, extremely difficult to get um, advanced imaging done, uh, which again, really probably decreases the chances of, of of a quick recovery for patients um so having the ability to do that i re- i certainly know how how lucky i am to work here susie's mother and father and her aunts and uncles on both sides were all doctors and she wanted to follow in their footsteps but susie decided to specialize in a very new kind of medicine I decided to choose a field that really doesn't exist, uh, which was sports medicine at the time. So it's still really in its infancy, but I absolutely love sports growing up. And so I thought being able to, I was never, I could do a lot, kind of was a jack of all trades, sort of master of none. But um, I thought if I could combine the two, like anything, then you don't work a day in your life if you really enjoy what you're doing. So I thought enjoy join sports and medicine and, and you become a sports medicine doctor. And I remember... Uh, seeing a picture of the Irish women's football team when I was about age 15 and I saw a lady down in the corner with the the team and um, she looked a lot older than than the rest of the the girls that were were in the picture and obviously you could see on the end uh, that she was the doctor for the team and I was like I want to be that someday so really yeah so I got to do that in 2007 um, I became the, the doctor for the Irish under-19 women's team and then progressed from there up to the senior women's team. So gave me huge opportunities. Um, got to travel all over the world. Um, went and been to the far reaches of Kazakhstan, to Trinidad and Tobago at the under-17 Women's World Cup, uh, all over Europe. Um, they managed to put women's football generally in the back of beyond. So we got to see a lot of places that the men's team, I'm sure, never never saw. Uh, got over to the U.S. On, on a few occasions with the women's team. And that from there then progressed to, I got to be the doctor for the Irish swim team, Irish athletics, got to Shanghai. Um, I was also the doctor at the London 2012 Olympics. Um, so, yeah, really, really, really lucky uh, wow. from that point of view. Wow. <laughs> so it, it puts even more perspective on the fact that you've chosen the value of together we do our best work because yes, you've seen this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think there certainly is when you see high performing teams, um, and, and you've been sort of in that culture and then you can kind of transport that then to your, to your work culture as well. So, um, but as you say, yeah, there's, you, you really can't do anything by yourself in this day and age. It really is all about the, the multidisciplinary team and um, working together for sure. Yeah. And, but, and, but not a lot of people will have the perspective on the on team spirit and team makeup and team logistics that you will. So, you know, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on how, how does that translate? Like, what does the women's football team and the Olympic swimming team have to do with a workplace like VHI? How do they connect? Yeah, I suppose um, everybody sort of working towards a common goal, um, you know, wanting to come into work every day uh, and do your best. 
now I suppose we're a bit, little bit lucky. We probably won't get dropped if if you have one or one or two bad performances. I would hope you celebrate your wins. At the time, you feel bad about the things maybe that that don't go so well. But again, picking each other up um, and getting and getting going again and getting ready for the next one. Okay. When you think about that, back to the, your career when you were working and traveling with these teams. Um, if I asked you, was there was there a time where you really witnessed teamwork at its very best for whatever reason? Would anything come to mind? I mean, from a teamwork point of view, and you don't really think of boxing as a as a as a as a team. Obviously, they're out there competing singularly. But I traveled. I remember traveling in London 2012. I remember traveling on the bus um, to the boxing arena where Katie Taylor was going for her gold medal. And we traveled on the top of the bus and um, the coaches were there and all the team traveled with Katie uh, to the match for her fight. I certainly remember that sense of camaraderie and getting obviously keeping her calm, getting her to the place where she needed to be in the zone to win that gold medal. And I, I suppose that's that's what even though she's boxing individually, her team is all around her. And I'm sure I'm sure she felt that as well. Yeah. And I, and I guess a part of a team thing is that you, not everyone is going to get the same amount of attention and heroic sort of celebration as others. And being OK with that, I guess, is. That's all being part of the team as well, yeah. And um, similarly, I mean, you see that with the women's football as well. When like down in Australia, obviously Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan are the, I suppose, the ones we know the best. But they wouldn't have got there without Amber Barrett or um, Courtney Brosnan all working as a team. And I think football is a really good uh, metaphor for life, isn't it? <laughs> when you come to those kind of things. <laughs> Susie naturally connects very closely with VHI's value of together we do our best work. But later in the episode, she will tell us why courage to create a new future also resonates very strongly with her. And courage is certainly something that our next guest required a lot of during his time in the Defence Forces. Eamon O'Sullivan has been with VHI for over 20 years. But before joining the company, he spent over 12 years as a commander in the Irish Army. Eamon will tell the story about that time and some of the experiences he had overseas in just a few minutes. But first, he describes what he does now. My current title is Head of IT Availability, uh, which in fact is a, kind of a senior IT escalation manager when there's system issues, etc. So it involves working with a lot with uh, IT colleagues and also business colleagues to make sure that we re- re- we restore our services as fast as possible for the benefit of our customers and our colleagues. So what might be an example of uh, something that needs you to address? You know, is there something recent that happened that, that could frame it for us? Uh, so, yeah. So maybe uh, the mo- so as, as, as we're porting more to um, self-service, like the mobile app and our web channels are very important to us. And so, like, you know, if there's an issue with the mobile app with a login issue, uh, that would come across my desk and that would involve... Uh, working with the IT technical teams to do uh, root cause analysis and also at the same time communicating to the business stakeholders of what's running and and impact and likely resolution time, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a lot of communication and uh, a lot of enabling and, you know, ensuring that effort is best directed to get things sorted as fast as possible. It sounds like it's a lot of communication, but but in, in two different languages. 
there is an element of that uh but I, I think i saw a quote recently from einstein or somebody said you know if you can't explain it in simple language then you don't understand it which i like as well <laughs> like you know it's very important uh to be able to you know you know if i can't explain it or if i can't understand it then i'm not doing my job Eamon and I soon moved on to the topic of VHI's refreshed company values. This is something that he has given a lot of thought to because of the nature of his current work. It's interesting in my, in my current role, uh, when we're solving problems, uh, you, you are exercising all those values. It's working together. It's having the courage to make decisions. And it's also fundamentally driven to restore service and to restore the service, not only to our, our customers, our members, but also to our colleagues um, on the phones, uh, be they in the contact centre, in health and well-being, and also our colleagues in health and well-being who interact with, with members day to day. So I, I like the current role because you have to exercise all those three values to get the right outcome. Uh, that's interesting. So they do work together. They're not just individual ones that you yeah, pick and choose from. No, no, from. they're not. Because, you know, like, there'll always be a, a thing in IT that'll come across and you go, whoops, that's not what we understood or, you know, and you have the courage to to keep driving with it and uh, to get the resolution or even, you know, other terms, resilience, stickability, take your pick, you know, there, but it's the courage to stick with it. I'm very lucky. I work with very talented people and I see a lot of my role is actually the, being the facilitator to let people get on and do their job and yeah. ensure that they have the space to do the right thing. That also involves um, a lot of trust that you have to, to let go of some control and trust them to take the reins and to, to do what they, uh, what they do. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and trust is, is, is kind of a hard one because I do remember from my days in the cadet school, what was said to us as young cadets is, you know, trust is a hard one. You know, you can spend years building it up, but you can lose it in an afternoon. So trust is a kind of a hard one. To get the job done, it is trust, and it's, it's being honest. And maybe if you know, if uh, having the uh, the humility, and, and I think humility is very important when you're facilitating people or leading people to put your hand up when you've got it wrong, or if you've yeah. been hard, if you've been, in, uh, you know, if if you haven't lived up to these values. Like Susie, Eamon is very familiar with the power of great teamwork because of the nature of his career before VHI. He told me about his time in the army and what he learned from it. In 86, when I was leaving the school, I joined the uh, army cadets in the cover camp for 18 months. And I spent uh, maybe 12, 12 and a half years in the defense forces. I was in Lebanon in 95 as a young platoon commander, uh, signals platoon commander with maybe a platoon of 30 troops in 95, South Lebanon with the UN. Lebanon is, is a fascinating country to spend time in. Um, it's about the size of Ireland. Sorry, the size of Munster with the population of Ireland and 14 kind of major religions in it. So, wow. <laughs> and wow. a lot of, a lot of powers in there, like um, Syria needed for to get access to the sea. Russia kind of needed because it also gives them access to the sea. And the French historically have a big um, colonial presence there. Some of the things that you will learn and and experience when you're in the army, are there some fundamental lessons and some fundamental human principles, human behavior principles that, that have stood you well when it when it went into the workplace, like in VHI, that you, you understood and learned and were able to apply? Yeah, I suppose organization is key, um, going back to the trust uh, to to lead by, by example, as opposed to saying, listen, I'm going to stand here and you run over there and do that. It's to lead by example, say, listen, I'm jumping this stream, come on come on with me or whatever so uh and probably the big one too is uh, this whole understanding of risk and decision making you know just you know sometimes you've got to make a decision uh, i think there's an, uh, an army kind of paradigm out there that 
sometimes it, it's, it's not making the incorrect decision. It's not making a decision is more dangerous. So, yeah. you know, you know, as you know, and that kind of talks very much to the, the courage value we talk about here is, you know, that, you know, having the courage to make a decision. But that's not to say that you're not reckless either, that you, you have a few basic principles that you follow and uh, keep following that. Like, So that's why I like my current role. You know, you, uh, you're, it's actually decision making and all those other values we talked about on, on steroids. <laughs> that's what it actually is like, that you don't have time. So I like that. Um, you know, uh, th- that's the reactive nature. Then there's a proactive nature too, trying to take, a, take on board any lessons from any outage incident and then uh, take that back further up, up the food chain to prevent it happening again as well. So that's learning by doing as well, like and learning and kind of retrospective reflection as well. So I like that aspect as well. And that, you know, and it's important that we do that and it's important we do it in a non-critical approach because that's when you get, that's when you get the best input. You know, like we're all human, we all make mistakes and it's all to be confident and comfortable that you're going to get support and then the team. And, you know, as a, you know, I suppose I think it was Truman had it on his desk, like the book stops with me. So, you know, I, I like to think that uh, any of the teams I work with, you know, I'm always happy to help and support. And, you know, the book stops with me if, 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 if there's been an issue, you know, that they feel supported. Was there a time when you were in the army with, and it was a kind of a high stakes situation where you had to really have that courage to make a decision, uh, whatever the outcome, but that it was some, anything that stands out to you as a, as a time where you, you really just felt, yeah, I kind of, I, I'd made a, I made the, the right call and I, I took action in that situation when maybe others wouldn't. Yeah, it goes back to Lebanon actually in 95. And if you talk about technology, this is pre-Google um, Maps. And I was a, the convoy commander of maybe 60 troops coming down from Beirut airport on a Friday night. And uh, obviously the Friday night, it was late, very late actually, because we were, um, and obviously there's not a whole lot of street lightning, lighting and not a whole lot of roads. Um, and, uh, you know, there was an incident going on where um, where the Israelis were doing their shelling and two, um, how would you say, Lebanese militias were having a barney. You had the secular Amal who predated Hezbollah having a gunfight. So our first route home was blocked with the Israeli shelling. The second route is blocked by this gunfight that's going on maybe half a mile away. So then you're kind of getting out the map <laughs> and looking up at the stairs and going, which way do we go, left or right here now? So no, it, it was good. Like all my training had prepared me for that. So, you know, that's the one that always stands out because, you know, if I got it wrong, I could have, um, you know, maybe taken the convoy into uh, uh, a situation that we didn't need to be involved in. When it does feel like things are getting out of control a little bit, is there a, a process, is there a strategy in terms of a, just a good way to handle it? I suppose if I go back, it's decision-making. It's, you know, it's been able to evaluate the information that's coming in fast. Obviously, also to listen to, to all the information coming in. Um, again, going back to uh, a great advice we got from an officer in the cadet school. And again, it goes back to the army radios. And, you know, he did point out that the, the battery on the handheld radio, the batteries would have nine hours listening time and one hour talk time. And he says, you know, it's a great ratio. Sometimes you got to listen instead of talking. And, you know, sometimes from where, you know, again, when I'm working with the very experienced colleagues and all colleagues we have uh, that I have the pleasure to work with, uh, sometimes maybe nine of us might say we're going this way or this is what the issue is. But, you know, you got to be alert that maybe it's the 10 person in the corner has actually spotted the real issue, you know, and it's, it's to listen to that voice as well rather than just assume. I think um, Patton once said, if we're all thinking the same, then nobody's thinking. Yeah, you need to be 
Good morning, VHI Healthcare. Mark speaking. Could I get the policyholder's full name and date of birth, please? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you very much. And your first line of your address is... When I spent a day in VHI's call centre in Kilkenny, one of the colleagues I met was Mark Stapleton, who works on VHI's dedicated concierge line. Mark drew parallels between his previous career as a fitness instructor and what he does today. But first he told me a story of a time he felt he made a real impact in his current role. Fantastic level of cover, you're on a corporate plan here. A member had gone into a facility for a procedure and uh, on the concierge line we have an ability to change a member's cover to cover a procedure. So it's kind of something that it's, a, it's in a contract with some of the uh, bigger companies. So this member had a thought they went in for a cover and uh, had booked in and waiting for the surgery for a long time. When they arrived in, the hospital were looking for thousands of euros on them from them, which they like, obviously they didn't have. And uh, we all know uh, hospitals, if, if, you, if you cancel it, you could be waiting for ages. So it was looking like it was going to be cancelled. And they called through to, got me on the phone, and I had to call through like every single line you could think of because basically in order to make this change, it usually has to be done at least 24 hours beforehand to show up on a, on a computer system in the hospital. So we were back and forth, and then eventually they didn't know if the surgery was going to be done. But the outcome basically was we were able to get the confirmation uh, confirmation cover uh, over to the hospital. The procedure was uh, able to go ahead. The member didn't have any shortfall. I was having to go between family members, and eventually then the uh, the, the member had gone into uh, gone in for the surgery, so I couldn't speak to them. So I had to get consent to speak to the partner. It was a real difficult one going through different management, like high up management had to get involved in it. And yeah, we got it done and it was a great then even afterwards having to call them to um, explain to them how the money works and everything um, it was a it was one of those things where you come off and you, you pat yourself on the back and you think you know I actually did make a change to someone's life today what I, I deal with I think how would I feel if my dad or one of my family members called through and they had a problem I kind of take every call like that you know if there's an issue I'll go through it I'll fight the battle for the customer um, as much as I can because our job should be to make sure they can use their policy and get as much financial benefit as possible you seem like you really enjoy what you do i i, I do actually um i kind of i'm i've spent most of my life uh doing like training personal training and sports and stuff like that helping people out whilst it's something different at the moment kind of life brought me here uh circumstances however i uh, to be able to help people you know um it's great so sometimes look you're just literally answering a call and there's nothing but to go out your way every now and again to actually make a difference i think like as you get older i'm 43 now and you start to realize like you know like you want to make a difference you know uh whether it be small whether it be your family or just one person if you can make a small difference and if everyone does that makes a small difference then sure the world would be such a nicer place you know, uh, and, and we only have to do one thing. You know, you take one call today. If anyone that's listened to this is on the phone, if you make a difference to one person today and everyone did it, sure, there's, that's a massive difference to families and that's a knock-on effect, you know. Next time you're in stuck in traffic and someone wants to let you out, they might let you out because they're like, someone was nice to me today. It's a knock-on effect, you know, so that's kind of my thought process. Yeah, really nicely put. But it, it, it doesn't sound like there's a huge amount of difference between what you do now and what you did even as a personal trainer. You are just making a mm. positive impact to people's lives. It's crossovers, crossovers of skills, I think. Both are involved in health. Okay, uh, may, you know, one may, maybe I'm not actually doing the health practices with them, but I'm advising them on how to get the most benefit out of their policy, which uh, affects their health. Um, 
so yeah yeah to me it's kind of the, the similar you know it, it's the same uh, process and just that uh, ability to take a skill set and use it in different areas Earlier in the episode, we heard Susie describe why together we do our best work is the company value which resonates most with her. But she also really connects with courage to create a new future, and she explains why. The courage, I think, in VHI to do what they're doing, to change from an insurance company into a healthcare provider, I think that that is it is really, really brilliant for our members, given, unfortunately, the pressures on our healthcare system. I think um, in sports medicine, we're a very, very small specialty, you know, in the whole realm of healthcare. Um, there's only about 35 sports medicine doctors in the country. There's only three women doing it. Um, we have a training program now, so that we should be getting sports medicine doctors more on board. Um, but VHI is one of the few institutions that has sports medicine consultants. And I think, again, I think that's courageous. And I suppose would love to, to build on the team that we have here and provide more services for our members. Um, but I, I know it's a it's it's a specialty that is needed and um we certainly can 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 help our members uh, along with the wider healthcare team and i work very closely with our physiotherapists our our diagnostic imaging team our nurses and my colleagues in in urgent care and soon to be primary care as well so we'll all we'll all be working together um to to build that and to create a new future which i'm certain will be of huge benefit for our for our members and we will leave the last word on this episode to eamon o'sullivan i've been with the company 21 22 years two colleagues who still work here interviewed me and i definitely got a good vibe from them and followed my gut and I'm glad they're still colleagues of mine like you know so you know sometimes you walk into buildings or you get a vibe you, you know you look at the information but then you follow your gut or there's a rapport you establish with people I can be myself in VHR but I don't that's have to really put on an act and that's not to say I'm rough around the edges but I'd, I'd like to think I've moderated over the years maybe other <laughs> colleagues may have a different view and I, I would respect their view but you know I, I like the fact that VHI allows me to be myself too Thanks to everyone who took part in this episode of Real Talk, Voice of Colleagues. This is the sixth and final episode of the series, and we'd like to thank everybody who took part, and especially to you for taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed this series, please do tell a friend or a colleague who you think might also enjoy it. And if you would like to find out more about VHI, simply visit vhi.ie. Thanks and take care.